And while they're doing that, you can turn to 2 Thessalonians. We'll teach the word here for a little bit. Same thing we've been on, sign of the times. Everybody say, sign of the times. I tell you, we're, we're there, amen? Very unique things are happening. And I don't know if you've noticed, but as, as the, as the uh, you know, the drama with the, with the COVID thing, as it continues, there's just a tremendous amount of weirdness going on everywhere. Have you ever noticed that? There's been crazy explosions and fires and, you know, just all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. You know, just kind of an out of control, out of control situation. But you know, God is faithful. God is faithful to do what he said he would do to bring us into a, a time of blessing, of revival, of harvest. I believe we were, we're very deep into the preparation stages of that. Today was our let's see, 50, 53rd night in a row to pray, to have a crowd of people here praying, interceding. God gives us great utterance to, to pray. And I, I was praying tonight, and the Lord spoke to me a couple of times the word stirring, stirring, show me a little, little picture. And he said, when you first came, came in here, it was like a, a person holding a bowl with a, with, a, with a, you know, like cake batter or something like you, that you just got to, and it's just like this stirring and oh, and man, it's just it just kind of labor and wears you out. Now it's like a blender. You ever see? We 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 have a certain kind of. We found two kinds of hot sauce. We didn't like either one, but we mix them together and we like them. So we got this blender and we put put both jars in and and uh, and push the button and it just man, I mean, it just blend, it, that that blender we have has a diesel motor in it. I think I don't know. But it blends, it blends it up pretty quick. But I'm seeing that, that stirring becoming so strong, so powerful and so strong. So that's exciting because there's going to be great fruit. There, there, there's, listen, there's never a time in which great fruit doesn't come from prayer and intercession. That's, that's, that's the plan of God. That's the will of God. I, I, I knew several uh, ministers that were involved in the great healing revival, 1948 through about 1968, actually to about 1972, as it lingered in the beginning stages of the charismatic move. And they all talked about how during World War II there was great intercession, great stirring to pray, great stirring to pray. And then God began to speak to one and then another and another and another, saying there's a healing revival coming. There's a healing revival. Well, I'm going to tell you what's coming is a revival in, church, in churches. Churches all over America are going to erupt with revival. And the good news is, is we get to be on the ground floor. The Lord showed me this the other night. He said, you're praying for other churches that either don't know how to pray or will not respond to the unction, but you're praying them into revival too. And they'll get it through exposure. They'll get it by coming, through, coming to fall harvest and, and coming to different meetings and having the anointing touch them. And when revival breaks out here, they'll come here and they'll get it and take it back to where they're supposed to go. And we get to be on the tip of the spear, the cutting edge. Amen? Glad you're excited. Let's see here. Second Thessalonians. Let's go back there and look a minute. Let's, I'm going to read in the Amplified. Is that okay? Flip, do you put the Amplified up there? So people can read along with it. Put the Amplified up there, and we'll start with verse 1, chapter 2. Praise God. Verse 1, chapter 2, Second Thessalonians. But relative to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah... And the gathering together to meet him, we beg you, we beg you, brethren, not to allow your minds. Now notice this. 
not to allow your minds to be quickly unsettled or disturbed or kept excited or alarmed, whether it's by some pretend revelation of the Spirit or by word or by letter alleged to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already arrived and is here. Now let me, let me uh, bring your attention to that real quick. I am of the opinion, and I believe it can be proved out very strongly by the Word of God, and I don't teach eschatology, but all of anyone I would like in this pulpit will teach this, that we're not going to go through any tribulation as a church. Now you say, now why would you say that? Number one is because the seven years of tribulation are seven years of judgment. And God has already poured out His judgment on the body of Christ when the body of Christ was on the cross. Now we as the body of Christ on the earth, God will not judge the second time. He's already poured out judgment upon His body. Now with that in mind, you're going to have to prepare yourself and get ready because there's fixing to be an avalanche of teaching that's going to come. People are going to talk about how they got it from they got it from a vision. They got it from a visitation. And let me tell you something else. There are going to be others they are going to talk about getting it from things they're going to find in archaeological uh, archaeological digs. I need to go get my tongue trimmed. Amen. <laughs> that's what Granny Clampett says because I was raised on the Beverly Hillbillies and you know, Mr. Drysdale was having a hard time talking, and he said, well, let me trim your tongue for you. You'll be a lot better off. <laughs> but I heard a guy the other day, so-called prophet. I, I really don't receive him as a prophet. But uh, it's just one of the things that comes on my phone that people send me. And he said that, that by the Spirit he saw this great archaeological dig, and all this information would come out of this dig, and it would, it would actually uh, take the place of the Bible. Well, we're not going to buy into that. Amen. So you need to prepare yourself because from all kinds of directions, dreams, visions, Jesus appeared to me, and you know, we're, we're in the tribulation now. We're not in the tribulation now, but here's something we have to realize, and we've taught this before to help you understand where we are. We are at the point in which the wage of sin on the earth is paying its maximum wage. You say, what do you mean by that? I'm telling you, sin has mastated in humanity for 6,000 years. And people are doing some crazy things. Listen, there are whole societies, there are whole groups of people that worship Satan, which always amazes me how people could worship a loser. Amen. But you know, he's deceiving and he's, he does those things. And, there's, and whether you recognize it or not, there are some people with great power who are, who are Satan worshipers. I mean, they're just devils themselves, you know. And their hearts are sealed, their, minds, uh, uh, their hearts are seared, their minds are calloused, and they don't, they don't want God, they don't want salvation. They could come to a meeting where people are being raised from the dead and they wouldn't even care. They traded their soul to the devil. I heard, I saw, listen to a lady who's a, who's a well-known, uh, uh, not an actress, but she's a, she sings, she's a singer. And, and I heard she was raised in, in a particular church, a particular denomination, and she talked about an incident that she had when she was a child in which a demon appeared to her in her room and said, if you'll serve the devil, I'll make you famous. She said, I'll do it. She's famous today. Dangerous times. Wages of sin. 
And I'm telling you, those wages of sin, they're going to look like the judgment of God at times because there's whole nations that sin. There's whole cities that are full of sin that that wage of that sin is going to be paid to them. But as far as the judgment of God, it's withheld. We still live in the acceptable year of the Lord. And thank God we do because that makes mercy and grace and compassion available for any whosoever that will call on the name of the Lord. Amen? So, don't be deceived. Verse 3, let no one deceive or beguile you in any way. For that day will not come except the apostasy comes first. Unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come and the man of lawlessness or sin is revealed who is the son of doom and perdition. Now this talks of two things, of falling away of people who believe God and not only that, the coming on to the scene of what the Bible calls a man of sin. Now we could get into the word and show you different things that will qualify this individual for who he is. One of the most pronounced or profound in the book of Daniel says he'll be, uh, he'll be homosexual. He'll have no desire toward women in him. So we know that whole society like that is demonic. It's absolutely demonic. Now, with that in mind, we must realize, you say, well, Pastor, what about people falling off? I believe that's been going on for almost 20 years. Where people have left uh, 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 the true teaching and preaching of the Word of God that brings conviction to the sinner and causes the believer to walk in righteousness. It has been traded for a gospel of convenience. We're going to make it easy for you. But those days are over with. Amen. Those days are over with and God's resurrecting, bringing up the church to be the church that He's called it to be. Are you with me? Now notice what it says here. It says, uh, speaking of the, of, the, of the man of darkness who, oppresses and, who, oppre who opposes and exalts himself so proudly and insolently against and over all that is called God or that which is worshipped, even to actually taking his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming that he himself is God. Now that event will happen three and a half years into the tribulation. That's what will happen. It'll happen in Israel. It'll happen in the temple. And this man will come in and sit down on the throne and proclaim himself God. He said, uh, do you not recollect that when I was still with you, I told you these things. So that's not the first time they've heard this. And now you know, now notice this, what is restraining him from being revealed at this time? You say, now, why don't we know who he is? Because something is restraining him. You say, now what do you mean restraint? Restraining him from being famous, restraining him from being exposed, restraining him from being known. So when someone comes up with an antichrist and says, I found him, not as long as we're here. I heard one preacher say, he preached a lot back in, during World War II. He said, I had the greatest message on the antichrist you've ever heard till Hitler died. <laughs> Amen. He died and ruined the message. And now you know what is restraining him from being revealed at this time. It is so that he may be manifested or revealed in his own appointed time. So there's an appointed time for him to be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness, that hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority 
is already at work. So the systems that already, it's already at work in the world. It's already working in the world. The Antichrist system, it was already working back in Paul's day. Think how strong it is today. It's already working. Amen. Now, could you imagine having such a strong, for lack of a better word, movement? But you're being restrained. You know, meeting together, doing a, I don't know if you saw this the other day. I, I, I heard this. I, I about drove off the road. I was listening to the radio. It says that there's some kind of denomination of satanic churches here in the United States. And they read their Bible is a, is a Bible written by a man named Anton LaVey. They have these rituals. Now, this, this, is, this is, you go check it out for yourself. They have gone and petitioned a court to be allowed to have live abortions in their church because they say it is just like communion and water baptism in the Christian church and we should have the right to have live abortions in our church as a part of our worship service. Has anybody heard that? Uh, several people have heard it. Are you what in the world? But see, they're being restrained. I said they're being restrained. You ought to be happy. Amen. This is for the mystery of lawlessness, that hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority is already at work in the world, but is restrained only until he who restrains is taken out of the way. That's us. We are, who is the heat? That's Jesus. Who is Jesus in the earth? That's us in Christ. We are that restraining force. We are that restraining power. And we're entering in to the glory of what the church is supposed to be. The glory of who the church is. Let me tell you something. That has nothing to do with beautiful buildings, beautiful sanctuaries. We like all of that. And that has nothing to do with massive crowds. It has to do with groups of people called the church who live under the government of the Word of God and operate in the authority of God, pushing back, holding back, and restraining the darkness. You get to be a part of that. My goodness, my goodness. Now, with that in mind, go to, go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. And is it okay if I stay in the, in the Amplified? Let me make sure I got the right. Yeah, we'll go back to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this. In the last days will come, will set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with, hard to hear. People will be lovers of themselves, utterly self-centered, lovers of money, aroused. Uh, I got too many, too much too much stuff written, written in my Bible, aroused by an inordinate greedy desire for wealth that shouldn't be in the church. Amen. Proud, arrogant, uh, contemptuous boasters. They'll be abusive, blasphemous, scoffers, uh, defiant to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be without natural human affection. Man, we're seeing... That's everywhere. Callous, inhuman, relentless, committing. What does that say? 
Oh, yeah, admitting. Truth. Uh, so, yeah, read, I, it's, it's, the, it's the writing on the other page that I'm having because it, it bleeds through. Uh, they will be slanders, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate, loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled, fierce, haters of good. They'll be treacherous, treacherous betrayals, betrayers, rash, inflated, self-centered. They will be lovers of sensual pleasure and vain amusements more than they are, more than and rather than lovers of God. Now go back to 2 second, second Thessalonians. This is the describing of the day in which we live. Now, here are some things that will help us understand. Number one, one of the most powerful manifestations of that which is on the earth and, and mastating and growing is the pleasure industry. And it is an industry. Everything from sensual pleasure to... And now that it's been restricted a little bit, it's exploded. The, the, the alcoholism, the drug abuse, uh, uh, pornography, uh, prostitution, all of the vices of the human nature... Uh, that, that people profit off of have exploded. Absolutely exploded. And, and that's just, a, everybody say, a sign of the times. And not only that, there is a lot of people who have become very resistant in the church, I'm talking about believers, who have become very resistant to the true teaching and preaching of the gospel. Because now awakening in the church is the teaching and preaching of that gospel which puts a demand on the believer and puts a responsibility on the believer to adhere to the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles the Holy Ghost used to pin the letters to the church so that they might live free from sin. We've just gone through almost 30 years of user-friendly, user seeker-friendly type churches that have grown into massive churches. And one of the reasons is, is because literally there's nothing ever said about sin. Where sin is part of the gospel. It's the part that God wants to free you from. Now, not to preach on sin, now listen to me, not to preach or teach on sin is to deny the power of the cross. The vain philosophy of man and religion, the psychological training of many theological seminaries has caused people to come up with this idea that in no way do you want to offend, in no way do you want to make anyone feel in, uncomfortable in any type of a church service. If a person is, a, is an addict or, or lives an alternative lifestyle, uh, there's no way we should ever make them feel uncomfortable in a church service. But the problem is that, of that is, is the most offensive message in the world is the message of the cross. The Bible says that the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish abject foolishness. But unto us that are saved, it is the power of Almighty God. Because the cross is the place 
in which Jesus died so that we might be separated from the effect of the sin nature and the trespasses that we've committed in our lives. Now, just kind of a little thumbnail sketch. We'll pick this up later because I'm going to teach on this in depth. Many churches invite people to the cross. Come to the cross. Come get saved. Come make Jesus Lord and Savior. But they do not invite them to go through the cross because when you come to the cross, then go through the cross, find out who you are, what you have, what you can do in Christ, which is part of the resurrection. Then you're willing to go pick up your cross and follow him. And that's what we see today. It's not a deficit of churches with thousands of people, but a deficit of people that are willing to pick up their cross and follow him. People don't like that. They're like, well, I, I, I want to go to heaven, but I definitely don't want to live a life of sacrifice, inconvenience, and discomfort. Well, study the Apostle Paul. My goodness. He had one of the most glorious ministries on the face of the earth. But my goodness, he went through this and that. And he, he was beaten the head and stoned and, and left in the sea and, and fought all, actually fought a beast in the, in the Colosseum of Rome. Amen? I mean, there he is in the stocks with Silas singing praises unto the Lord at midnight. I wrote this down. The Lord impressed me with this. We cannot exist to comfort people in their sins. We must confront their sin, the sins of our generation and present them with Jesus. There's been a lot of that over the years. We're all, all that's been done through ministry and from the pulpit is we've comforted people in their sins where the Bible says you have to confront them and present them Jesus, the answer to their sins. So in praying, studying the Word, and you know, as a minister and as a pastor, you want to do good. You want to see God. You want to see the church grow. And not only that, we've seen hundreds, probably even thousands in the 18 years of we've been a church that, that have come and stood in our altars, stood in, the, stood in the hotel ballrooms where we started, stood in the altar of our little 45th Street building, stood in this altar, have made professions of faith, have, uh, have uh, uh, gotten right with God, gotten back to the Lord. And I guarantee you, if we were able to retain just 10% of those people, we'd have a church of probably 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 people. Amen. So I, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm going to give you some reasons of why you hadn't grown into a big church. I said, good. I want to know. So he gave me some reasons. He said, number one, one of the reasons we haven't grown into a large church is we do not preach a message of accommodation. Never have. I never have. God took me right out of hell, right out of addictions, right out of sin, and I knew right off the bat, no message of accommodation or appeasement is going to help anybody. You've got to present them with the gospel. You've got to challenge them with the word of God that will break loose the bonds of sin from their life and help them to walk free. That is not popular. That has not been popular. Amen. Secondly, we desire a move of the Spirit. How many times have you thought of inviting somebody to church and you thought, but you know, if Pastor Rusty goes crazy, we have one of those services, you know. 
We've always contended for a move of the Holy Ghost. A friend of mine went to a church growth conference and they gave five different points and every point, these five different points were do not do this, do not do this, do not do this, do not do this, and do not do this. Your church will not grow if you do this. We do all of them. We do all five. We have nurtured a desire for the move of the Spirit. We have believed God for millions to be evangelized around the world and we put our money where our mouth is. We have financed Egan Falk, Christopher Allam, all these different people that we, from, 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 from Ireland to China to, to, to Nicaragua, we have poured thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars into the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and we put a demand upon the congregation to give to do that. While the church hadn't grown. Fourth reason. We have been militant to stick to the letter of the Word of God. Now, you ready? I got four points real quick, two minutes, on why the church is going to grow. Are you with me? Number one, it's going to grow because we do not preach a message of accommodation. (laughs) Somebody's going to get it. Now, this is what the Lord spoke to me. He says, now listen, the atmosphere of society has not been conducive to the growth of this church for 18 years. But he said this, the atmosphere is changing. He said, the atmosphere is changing. And he said, people are going to start seeking out churches who have not compromised themselves, who do not compromise the Word of God, who will stand with you if you get diagnosed with cancer, who will pray with you if your kid runs off and gets into drugs, who will use the authority of the power of the Word of God, who will declare the move of the Holy Ghost and enter into the harvest of this world. The atmosphere, church, is changing. Second reason we're going to grow. We have nurtured a desire for the move of the Spirit. We want the Holy Ghost. We want interruptions. We want outpourings. We want people in the altars weeping and crying and laughing and rolling on the floor and running in the church and shouting and praising and glorifying God and stepping out of their characters and being the individuals of power and faith that God has called them to be. Third reason we're going to grow. We believe God for millions of dollars to evangelize the world. We're going to, we're going to send out more missionaries. We're going, to, we're going to rise up people out of this church. We're going to build churches in Ireland and, and, in, and, and all over the world, Nicaragua and the Philippines. We're connected. We're literally connected all over to the world to people who have a heart to reach their nation, to get people saved, to get them filled with the Holy Ghost, to disciple them and reproduce that which Christ died and rose from the dead for God's children to be in the earth. Amen. And this is the fourth and most important reason we're going to grow. Because we're going to stay militant to stick to the letter of the word. We're not going to fall for archaeological, is that right? That's a tough one. 
That's one of them tongue-trimming words, amen. <laughs> We're not going to fall for archaeological digs. We're going to stay right in there in John chapter 7. He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures hath said. Amen? You say, what do you mean? We want to see any person that walks in this building who is not saved. We want the greatest opportunity for salvation to be presented to them. Not only just through the proclamation, but through the demonstration of the word. We want people that are bound and oppressed, addicted to drugs, addicted to lifestyles of destruction. We want them to come in here and be afforded the greatest opportunity of their life for instantaneous deliverance. Amen. We want the believer that comes, gives his heart to the Lord. We want them empowered by the Holy Ghost, taught by the Word of God, growing in their character, growing in the life and the power of God so that they can reproduce that which God has created us to be as those that are children of the light, children of the resurrection power of God, and children that walk in love one toward another. Amen. And we want all believers to recognize and realize God has a dream for them. God has a dream and a destiny, no matter how old, how young, no matter where you come from, what you do, that God has a dream and a destiny for your life. Amen. I heard a guy say this the other day. I thought it was pretty good. He said, he said evil, is the, evil is the absence of love. Not, not the world's kind of love, but evil is the answer of the God kind of love. He says you pull out the God kind of love out of society, out of a government, out of a church, out of any, and evil will start showing up. And we've seen over the years, I mean, resistance, most of, most of you have no idea, but we've seen resistance just to us, just to Leah and I, and to the church, and to what we stand for, and what we believe. And people wanting you know, wanting entrance and wanting to, to do their thing and do this and do that and all this stuff and how, how that resistance many times becomes a spiritual battle and a spiritual fight which almost drains the life out of you. But every time God has strengthened us, encouraged us, given us words from people that we have confidence in and given us times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord to revive the church, to encourage Lee and I, and to keep us moving forward. I have a guy I know, a pastor I know in, in California. He's really been on my heart lately. And I know he's in an area of California where it's really been tough for churches to do anything. And, and so the Lord spoke to me and said, send him a text. I hadn't heard from him in probably three months. And so uh, I sent him a text. And as I began to write that text, I could feel the Spirit of God coming on me. And I, I started encouraging him. I, I told him, I said, you know, you're a man of God. You're called into the world for such a time as this. He's got a great church, got a great ministry. And, and uh, you just, just encouraging him. Then I, then I kind of shifted gears. I said, you know, I've been in ministry 36 years. I said, our family has been in, in, in every move of God since, I guess, my, my grandmother and, and uh, my mom and dad. Now, now, Lee and I, and now Breland's just four generations of us have been in, in the moves of God and God, things that God was doing. And I said, you know, I've, I've preached to one and I've preached to tens of thousands at a time. I've preached in, in beautiful churches. I've preached in hotel ballrooms. I've preached in jungle clearings. I've, I've seen miracles and signs and wonders. I've seen, uh, I've seen thousands of people. So I've seen, I've seen, but I've never, ever been more excited than I am right now. 
I've never seen, I've never had more hope. I've never had more expectancy. I've never had more anticipation of that which God is fixing to do in our midst. It's not like we're praying something that's way off. It's right here, right now, right in front of us, and it's literally already manifesting. We've seen it manifest for 53 nights in prayer. And prayer, listen, prayer is the place where things are sowed, like seed. Amen? And it says, where is it? It's over in, I think it's in Proverbs. Yeah, Proverbs. Uh, one of the latter books, 25, 26, 27, right in there. It talks about how to, how to how you, you, you sow your fields, then you build your house. You ever read that in Proverbs? You sow your fields, then you build your house. And we've been 18 years sowing those fields. And now it's time to build the house. And we're seeing that come into manifestation. Answers of prayer things that God is arranging, things that God is doing, those rams that God's going to open our eyes to, happening for us corporately and happening for you as a family, as individuals, God's provision coming for the last day church. The last day church. What an amazing time to be alive. Lift your hands and thank God. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the inspiration and information of God's word that causes us to rise above the turmoil, the strife, all that's going on in the world and world system. Thank you, Father, for a focus here in the church that we will not be distracted by turmoil, riots, elections, anarchy, pandemics, but that we as a church will stay focused on you, Jesus. Just like Peter when he got out of the boat. Thank you, Father. As we get out of that boat, thank you that our eyes stay focused on you, Jesus, as we walk on that which was not designed to be walked on. Thank you for it, Lord. We pray protection, blessing, health, healing, prosperity, breakthroughs, dreams being realized, and men and women entering into the reality and destiny of their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen. Stand on your feet. We'll pray a dismissal, dismissal prayer. Before we do, let me just say this. I've said this before, but let me kind of rehearse it to you. The Lord spoke to me. He said, he said a lot of churches are going to be preparing for what's coming, which is hard when you don't know what's coming. <laughs> amen. But he said, now, now you're not to prepare for what's coming. You're to seek me. He said, you're to seek me because if you seek me and your eyes are on my eyes, your hands are in my hand, doesn't matter what's coming. He said, I can hold you and lift you up above the shaking. I can put you down for service and, 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 and ministry, whatever you need to do. I can protect you in the storm. I can do whatever I need to do as long as my hands are in your hands, my eyes are on your eyes. So that's why we seek the Lord like we're seeking the Lord. Why? We're getting closer to Him closer to him. Now I've been an intercessor all my ministry but I've never prayed 53 days in a row like I have. Never. I've had some good runs of you know I think the most was maybe I know uh, right after I came back to the Lord was, was uh, fixing to go to Bible school I prayed for two solid weeks and I'd pray two hours in the day in the, during the daytime and then an hour at night. But it's, it was not the, the, the intercession that we feel now that comes from the comes out of the spirit. That's why we invite people to come be a part of that. It's truly a touch of God. So as we see these things unfold, 
Always remember that there's great resistance against you. You are a threat to darkness. You're a threat to what the enemy's trying to bring upon this earth. You're a threat to everything this world system stands for and is going to try to do until we take off from this earth. But remember what we read in 2 Thessalonians. Can't do it till we're gone. Can't do it till we're gone. Can't do it till we're gone. And every place we push back the darkness, the light floods in. And where the light floods in, Jesus gets revealed. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for each and every one that came. Let them sense your presence and power as they leave tonight. Just, just surrounding them with your faith and your love. As is our tradition, we pray. Psalms 91, thanking you. You are our protection. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We walk on serpents, scorpions over all power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm us. Thank you, fathers. We leave tonight, whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation. We are the protected and blessed of God. Thank you, Father, in the righteous labor of our hands, that resource you've given us to handle. No accidents, no trauma, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. Thank you, Father. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. As we leave tonight, we thank you for our door of utterance. Let each and every one of us have personal encounters with people here on the island, up in, up in the county, Lord. Anywhere we go, whatever we do, let us be a strong witness. Let us be an answer to people's prayer, a problem to the devil, a miracle in someone's life. As we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you.